Hi everyone, it's Duncan here from Then Now Whatever. Since Kyle and I only really record this show as hobbyists, there can be a lot of time between when we record shows, and a lot can happen in the world of wrestling during that time. In between releasing our most recent couple of episodes, one development in particular was the hashtag Speaking Out movement, bringing to light abusive behaviour within wrestling, including allegations of sexual assault, grooming, gaslighting and domestic assault as well as other forms of harassment. The testimonies from those who were subjected to these behaviours were heartbreaking and left both Kyle and I appalled. I waited for a more traditional episode to bring this up as last time out we had guests and it didn't feel appropriate and it's not as if myself or Kyle have anything earth shattering to bring to the table here But since this movement basically originated from British wrestling and we've covered a lot of British wrestling on the show, I felt it needed addressing. Please, believe victims. Many victims are now facing legal action, so if you feel you can contribute towards that, please do. If you feel affected by any of the actions described in people's testimonies, Charities such as Women's Aid, Rain, or Mind are out there who can offer support or accept donations to help support victims of abuse. If this is your first time listening to our show or you've yet to go through our back catalogue, please just be aware that several of our past episodes focused on British wrestling or WWE UK shows feature many performers who have subsequently been exposed as allegedly being abusive. If their behaviour has been the cause or a reminder of any personal trauma you've experienced, please avoid these shows. Also, full disclosure, this episode does feature a very brief discussion on NXT UK, but no performers with allegations are going to be discussed. Thank you for listening, and we'll now get started with today's show. Welcome to Then Now Whatever, the wrestling podcast. Back again with episode 36. I'm your host, the Doctor Among Men, Duncan Joyce. I'm joined once again by the hardest working Triple H Mark in show business. It's Mr. Kyle Cambray. Hello. It's so good to be back and recording an episode. <laughs> it's really nice to see you again, Kyle. Last episode was rather eventful. Really, really big thank you to everyone at Last Match Standing Podcast and everyone that's checked us out since then. I really enjoyed that episode and it was nice to speak to our podcast friends from over the pond. Yeah, I've been spinning around thinking of new ideas for spin-offs that we could do in a similar vein that fit in with what we're doing at the minute with our Tape Trader Diaries, which we're going to continue this episode. It's been quite a while since we just caught up on the show in general, seeing as how we had guests last time. What's been new with you? Well, I suppose the big thing for us both is that we're both a year older since the last time we recorded. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, yeah. Spending my birthday in in isolation was very rock and roll. A film and a Chinese, which was good. I've got quite a lot of filming coming up over the next few months, which is, is exciting, something to look forward to. And just getting on with college stuff. It's a bit strange at the moment. 
quite a lot of lessons are online and you know it's how how we're working to make sure that the learners are getting the right education so there's quite a lot of talks going on at the moment but we're just keeping our head down and, and getting on with it yeah sure we're mostly virtual at my work as well only going into the office once every fortnight now we were originally going in once a week but that was more to get used to what our on-site measures were yeah i also spent my birthday indoors we were going to go out to hatch but decided against it and used uber eats to get food from the store that we wanted at hatch anyway oh brilliant <laughs> herbivorous absolutely awesome vegan food very nice. In Hatch in Manchester. I've also got married since we last talked. <laughs> Some of you with a keen eye who spotted our Twitter will have spotted my wonderful wedding and birthday gift that my wife got me. Simpsons eyes versions of us with me as Daniel Bryan and Kathy as Asuka. And the championship belts that we're wearing as well have the same colour scheme as our wedding bands oh wow that's brilliant well on purpose i've got a beer for this episode and i've not opened it so cheers oh cheers kyle (laughs) what are you drinking tonight kyle i'm on red stripe tonight very nice jamaican beer my fridge at the moment's a bit of a who's who of beer there isn't one of the same i've got a red stripe in there i've got quite a few different brew dogs in there at the moment i'm just having a little bit of a taste test to see see what i, I quite like mm, very good one wedding present that we got was just a set of independent ales from northumbria oh very nice we've been working our way through those lots of good stuff lots of good gold ales as well very nice. Do you know, the other day I tried my very first red ale. Bizarre taste. What's it put you in mind of? I don't know, actually. That, I think that's what threw me. I was a bit like, I don't actually know what this tastes like. It was the, the Hobgoblin, Hob is it Ruby Ale? Ah, right, yeah. Yeah, it was just very different. Mm. In a nice way. I, I think I would have one again. But yeah, I was, I was a bit taken aback by it. Yeah, it's good to get new flavours in. On the wrestling front, it's been a surprisingly good spell recently. We're only a few weeks removed from Clash of Champions and TakeOver 31. And I have to say, I enjoyed both shows tremendously. I'm really happy with what's happening at the moment. You know, Obviously, it'd be nice to have the fans back in the stadiums and, and all that sort of stuff. But I think on a... From a storyline point of view, I think they've definitely got a good run at the moment. I'm really, really enjoying Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio and the work that they're doing. That's a, a huge highlight at the moment. I really love Roman Reigns and his work with Paul Heyman is going yeah. on right now. And TakeOver was the first time in a while where I enjoyed every match. The main event was fantastic, I thought. Yeah. But again, there's no surprise with it being a takeover that it was incredible because that's sort of what takeover does at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, I I kind of had low expectations, but there was a big surge of energy with like the revamped K 
Capital Wrestling Center, the new setup, yeah. and some decent directions going forward as well. Ember's back, Tony's back. My thing with that, I felt that Ember sort of overshadowed Tony a little bit in that segment. It's kind of hard to go anywhere when you're just like making a virtual statement. Yeah. yeah. The, the AEW front as well, I've not caught up yet, but a couple of the most recent Dynamites I'm really dying to get a look into. Like the one with the parking lot brawl. Yeah. Quite a lot of episodes I've watched just mainly for Matt Hardy, try and keep up with all the stuff that he's doing. But yeah, I was able to watch that parking lot brawl and it's a really good match. I'm looking forward to it. It's just a really, really easy to watch show, which is quite fortunate. Nowadays, I tend to skip around shows trying to find my best bits. But I don't know if it's just because it's on ITV Hub and it's really hard to skip around there. But I've just kind of broken my habit whenever I watch Dynamite. I just try and watch it start to finish and it goes down pretty well most weeks i find that a lot that i don't know what it is about the wwe product anything else outside of wwe i'll try and watch it like start to finish but i don't know what that says about the way i watch wwe talking about raw and smackdown because i I never watch those all the way through i might just skip a little bit here and there Mm, i think they're kind of inefficient nowadays yeah with plenty of filler one thing I do watch from start to finish, however, is the new revamped NXT UK, which is absolutely fab. I've not dived in yet. There's some suspect characters still there. That's meant I'm not racing to get there, but there's one or two matches that I've really, really liked the sound of. I've really enjoyed the slow build with Dragonoff and Walter. Obviously, Pete Dunne's still in and around there and... It's good. It's carrying steam. We're going to go back once again to our Tape Trader Diaries series. We've got a doozy here for you. Looking at the UK No Mercy 1999 pay-per-view. May 16th, 1999. From VMEN Arena in Manchester, England, England. 18,107 fans in attendance. Oh, I've got a story behind this one. Our mate Seb from primary school, he was unlucky to have some of the only parents in Bolton that were actually stringent about age ratings on home videos. And so he wasn't allowed to watch anything that was rated 15 until he actually turned 15. And over here, the majority of wrestling tapes back in the day were rated either 15 or 18. You know, 18s would be when you have a really violent stuff like a Hell in a Cell match. It's just a guaranteed 18. Violence and boobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, like, even though the show's rated PG in America, the home video releases tend to be rated, like, 12 or something. I'm not sure anymore how the rating system goes because there, there are some suspect ratings out there. So even though Seb was a massive wrestling fan... He wasn't allowed to see most wrestling home videos. But for some reason, No Mercy was exempt from classification. (laughs) And so 
I'm just like, oh, well, okay. It doesn't say either way that this is bad, so you're getting it, I guess. <laughs> That's crazy. I've got a feeling they used to do the Best of Roy's War tapes, and I've got a feeling that Volume 1 of that was also exempt for some reason. Because I definitely remember seeing that, and it might have been from Seb, but I can't remember. Yeah, I remember those videos. That's really bizarre. I wonder why just those select few exempt. It just seems really odd. Yeah, madness. So this is a rare instance of a UK pay-per-view. Woohoo! In our home of Manchester. Well, technically our home of Manchester. <laughs> yeah. So WWF started doing these back with the One Night Only show in 1997. And then from that point onwards, they'd come back over here regularly, pretty much every spring and late on in the autumn. And with the exception of Mayhem in Manchester, they'd put these shows on actual pay-per-view exclusively on Sky Box Office. So normally when I give details of a show, I give the buy rate, but... Nobody can find that. I don't know if even Sky would release that kind of stuff. No, probably not. This carried on up until Insurrection in 2003. And then when you got to winter of 2004, they switched to doing two tours a year with TV tapings instead. I would definitely go back to the pay-per-views. That was going to be my next question, Kyle. Like, yeah. <laughs> obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic, which has put things up in the air. But we saw early on with the network and stuff, they're experimenting with shows in different venues. I'm just a bit gutted that they haven't done UK shows, really. Yeah. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because you would sort of think that going to different venues would boost your brand a little bit but at the same time i don't know it's a funny one i mean i really really enjoyed beast in the east yeah definitely i'd be up for a show like that over here i know they're spinning off with their own uk brand and stuff but it'd be nice to do something with the mainline wwe stars i think I mean, there's always been that rumour of a SummerSlam, hasn't there? Yeah, well, of course, that's the one with the heritage. Seeing as how it was in Wembley all those years ago. Yeah. Did you watch very many of these Sky UK pay-per-views? The only one that I remember watching was Insurrection. I remember pleading with my dad to get that on pay-per-view and watch that. I think out of the UK shows, that's the only one that I, I was able to watch or knew of Mm. i got the 2001 version of that on vhs and i also i forget which one it was i think it might have been bad blood 2004 but midway through 2004 silver vision bundled in old shows randomly with current pay-per-views and one of them that I got, it had Rebellion 2002 bundled in with it. Ah, yes. The good old bundles. Yeah. Used to get a bargain back in the day. Yeah. Oh, God. The runtime for this show, two hours, 16 minutes. 
nice and snug. Although they somehow managed to fill it all with filler anyway. Honestly, I've got so many comments about this show. (laughs) (laughs) This is right in my wheelhouse because the roster at this point is pretty much the roster from WrestleMania 2000 on the N64. Yeah. So I was really excited to watch this at the time because there's a lot of people that I'd only known through the video games that I'm actually getting to see wrestle. Yeah, I was a bit like that with, do you remember WWF Attitude? Yes, indeed. Yep. Yeah. So I was like that with the likes of Ahmed Johnson. I only became aware of guys like him and Draws and all that sort of stuff through that game. So like you, you know, seeing them in the flesh, you're like, all right, okay, these are real people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got Attitude on the Dreamcast just so I could have a a wrestling game to play in my room because the N64 was downstairs. Yeah. So I I got that after I got No Mercy. It was quite a culture shock, some of the people. I was like, Kurgan, who is that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get stuck into this show. Because holy shit, we're right at the formation of the corporate ministry. What a stable that was. I think it was from the volume two, Best of Raw set. There'd be video packages of like literally every member from both stables out on the ramp on Raw. <laughs> I was just flabbergasted there's this many people in one stable. Crazy. I mean... If you look at the likes of who came out, you know, right at the very beginning, the quality that they had was insane. Although on this show, it's more like, oh, it's just the Ministry and China and Triple H and Shane are hanging out with them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) JR claims that they're led by Undertaker and Triple H, despite Shane McMahon, who's co-owner of the WWF at the time, clearly being the one in charge. Yeah, some suspect stuff throughout this from commentary. A great start. (laughs) Anyway, Austin's defending his WWF title against both of those men. And we see clips of Taker throwing Austin off the stage and then choking him while descending through that thing that the brood would come out of. Yeah, it showed a bit of the brood stuff as well, didn't it? They were supposed to just watch Christian get attacked and instead they helped him. The package closes with the line from Austin. In the ministry of Stone Cold Steve Austin, you can bet your ass you can expect no mercy. That is the one thing I do not miss about having a show called No Mercy. Every man, woman and child, when they're cutting the promo, they end their promo by saying they're going to show no mercy and they feel like they're the cleverest dick around. Do you know, right? There's other pay per views that are like that. Unforgiven is another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine your promo if you were trying to fit great balls of fire in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a hard fit. Although I'm sure if WWE brought that back today, it would be a double-barreled pay-per-view name. And so I'm sure they'd be able to fit in the subtitle instead. 
yeah, what's the what's the deal with that? Why why have we all of a sudden gone double barrel? It's just a mouthful, isn't it? Crazy. Maybe this is the trade-off that we have to put up with now that shows are actually a manageable length. Yeah. <laughs> it gets absorbed into the title instead. Yeah. We get some trippy, spirally graphics around a map of Manchester that lead us into Pyro, and good lord, there's loads of signs tonight. Yeah, a lot. Oh, when we hit sign watch at half time, my god, there's some doozies here. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Jim Ross straining his credibility here citing that this is one of the most eagerly anticipated events in WWF history <laughs> oh god comments like that from commentary are just one of those times where you think no no we know it's not but good try <laughs> <laughs> it's a case of saying one thing and then presenting another yeah we're kicking off the show with the corporate ministry coming out to their badass music. It's actually quite decent, that music. I'll give them that. I was obviously on Triple H watch during this watch through. Uh-huh. What the fuck is he wearing? He's Those wearing? jeans. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the trainers. What? <laughs> He's wearing the shirt for the pay-per-view, which is a really, really low-rung thing to do. Like, this is what, like, like all the jobbers would wear. I need to get Tyler Breeze and Fandango on this. Jesus. <laughs> Speaking of outfits, Undertaker's in a slightly older version of his outfit. So he's clearly learnt his lesson from last year, because when they were doing Mayhem in Manchester, the airport lost his bag. And so he had to wrestle in Crush's gear instead. So it's really weird. He, he looked like Biker Taker back in 1998. <laughs> that was brilliant. There was a thing on the documentary about Undertaker and about him losing his gear and stuff. And he said something along the lines of Vince wanting him. And he was saying, well, I've not got any of my stuff. And Vince was like, Oh, well, uh, we've got some stuff here, so... Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> like, take us like, uh, right, it depends what it is. <laughs> Do you remember Survivor Series 2000? Vaguely. So, Undertaker was in some pretty flashy-looking snakeskin trousers. But they weren't his trousers, they were the Godfather's trousers. I mean, they, they were good pals, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. BSK, brother. Yeah. Snakeskin trousers. Wow. Oh, yes. Right. Okay. So I've just brought them up on my phone. Yes, I do remember them. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Godfather would actually wear them himself when he returned at the 2002 Royal Rumble. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Madness. Shane is telling us about the Ministry's mission of destruction. And it begins with a brood who were defectors from the ministry. This is just basically a device for him to run down the card tonight. Apparently Midian is going to give Kane the beating of his life. <laughs> I literally let out a bit of a, a like, <laughs> when I heard that. <laughs> no Seven way. Old. 
because Seb would always find that really funny. <laughs> In JR's words, it's a tall order, I tell you. <laughs> also, for one night only, Shane is bringing his European Championship out of retirement. And he flashes the gold around his waist. We all love the European title. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. It was a pretty nice looking championship as well. It was. The UK. What an idea that is. Dun, dun, dun. Have it in NXT UK? Yeah. As a secondary belt. (laughs) Oh, there's some funny subtext to that one. (laughs) Shane informs us that a WWF title match tonight will now be under no whole bards rules. (laughs) I mean... He could have just said no DQ. Yeah. <laughs> he butchered that line. But the thing was, they did this last month. They did this the previous month at Backlash. Going and all of a sudden snap announcement. Oh yeah, this is no holds barred match now. Yeah. We're going to have a new champ tonight. And why? Because Shane McMahon said so. Well, that's one way to introduce your show. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that introduction. I thought it was good. They got the crowd up for it. You know, every time Shane said someone that they liked. Yeah, obviously it's a very forgiving and very excitable crowd that are just looking forward to seeing all their favourites tonight. Yeah, I think you always find a different reaction, don't you, when they come to the UK? Because we don't kind of see them often live anyway we sort of hang on every word that they talk about whereas a u.s crowd maybe can be a little more critical this next match is fully deserving of criticism oh jesus yeah (laughs) our owner for this evening from the continent of asia it's tiger ali singh and he is taking on WWF light heavyweight champion Gilberg. Who even thought that this was a good match that would entertain anybody? Tiger just seems to be exclusively on UK shows. So odd. JR's talking up. He's this big second generation talent. His dad is Tiger Jeet Singh. And he's a veteran that made his name in Japan think through IWA and FMW. Tiger gets the mic and he gets the impression the crowd doesn't like him because racism, basically. He then (laughs) says, I'm more richer than all of you. And England's only saving grace is that it's populated by millions of East Asians. And the crowd boo that. Fucking hell. (laughs) Wow. I mean, this is peak racism straight in your face it's okay <laughs> ay 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 Tiger Ali Singh so I did a little bit of delving deeper and you know he filed a lawsuit against WWE oh really? yeah because apparently he was claiming that his career ending injury was the result of him being forced to wrestle on a tour in Puerto Rico where it rained and he got injured. Were they wrestling outdoors? <laughs> I don't know. And then also, within the within the lawsuit, he also accused wrestlers of calling him a taxi driver. 
Uh, well, maybe that's where he got the material for his promo tonight. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Some producer knocks on Gilberg's door and he comes out with his chance being piped in. <laughs> King quips, pretty soon he'll beat himself up. He's greeted by sparklers and they get put out by fire extinguishers. Oh, this is so funny to me. A really, really early memory I have watching Sunday Night Heat on Channel 4 was Gilbert coming out and S.A. Rios defeating him for the light heavyweight title. Yeah. You know, Gilbert retired this year. Oh, did he now? Yeah, he retired in February. And do you know who he had his retirement match against? Go on. James Ellsworth. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I'm so sorry. He retired to Ellsworth. Oh, Gilbert deserved better. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we get a gorilla press slam by Singh, but then he gets awkwardly slammed and speared. Singh then recovers while Gilbert celebrates, awkwardly kicks him in the back of the knee twice and hits a sloppy neckbreaker to get the win. Or as JR puts it, it puts Gilbert out of his misery and us too. Mm. Tiger wins in a pitiful one minute, five seconds. What a waste of time. Yeah, my notes was, was this even a proper match? Question mark. One minute, three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they're taking these British shows very seriously, do you, Kyle? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we does any any comments really on on that, is there? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) it's below television standard yeah we see Austin arrive at the arena and then get a video package for the brood and the ministry rivalry with Taker promising a plague like the WWF has never seen Eh, give it 21 years mate (laughs) yeah so from what I can gather this is what you mentioned Kyle the brood got kicked out because when the ministry kidnapped Stephanie, Christian revealed her location because Shamrock put him in the ankle lock. Yeah. And then he got a lashing from the Undertaker and he was about to get crucified on the Taker symbol, but Edge and Gangrel saved him. Yeah. So as punishment, they basically said to Edge and Gangrel, you have to watch us punish Christian on the Titan Tron. And obviously Gangrel and Edge didn't want that to happen to the buddies, so they decided to intervene. That leads us to our second match on the card. It's Viscera and the Acolytes, Farouk and Bradshaw, taking on the Brood, Edge, Christian and Gangrel. I really loved the Acolytes tights on this show, with the Undertaker symbol behind their own logo. A nice touch, and the Acolytes weren't the only ones that I'd noticed had like the Undertaker symbol within their costume because Midian did the same lots of continuity in the gear tonight yeah Gangrel can't knock Viscera down so what does he try next a suplex of course well that'll work (sighs) what an idiot maybe he's low on blood sugars or something hmm there's a leg drop from this that misses, so Edge tags in and they just elbow him over and over and over again. There's then a unique spot where 
Bradshaw no-sells a drop toe hold and Christian has to come in and club him from behind so that he can get knocked down. Oh, and we also get Edge and Christian's version of Poetry in Motion. And then Farouk hits a really hard spine buster on Edge for a two count. Edge gets worked over quite a while until he hit a running DDT on Farouk. And Christian tags in and runs wild a little bit with drop kicks. But then Bradshaw caught him in the fallaway slam. And that results in him getting worked over as well. There's really big fan support for him breaking up the bear hugs. Yeah. According to King, Man United show no mercy to the Spurs today. Yeah, they beat Spurs 2-1. David Beckham and Andy Cole scored for United and Ferdinand scored for Spurs. I just thought when I heard it, I thought this is ridiculous that you're telling us this. But I'll get the information. <laughs> I looked it up too. <laughs> Just, if he says it like that, you, you're expecting like they got thrashed or something. Yeah. It's 2 1. It's like a really ordinary football score. <laughs> It'd be like saying if Triple H won a match after 30 minutes, like, oh, he thrashed them. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's a typical runtime for a Triple H match. <laughs> this for squishes. Christian, when he tried a crucifix, Edge has burnt his tag at least 16 times in this match, breaking stuff up. Yeah. Oh, Shane and Midian turn up just as Christian hits a tornado DDT to finally tag Gangrel in. It's a flying reverse elbow. Then Edge drop kicked Gangrel into Bradshaw when Bradshaw caught him. It all breaks down with Christian hitting a frog splash and a double DDT with Gangrel. That gets a good near fall. Then behind the ref's back, Gangrel gets DDT'd on the outside by Midian, and that allows Bradshaw to get the clothesline from hell to get the free count. And Shane brags about how it's one down and four to go. So the Ministry win after 13 minutes and 49 seconds. What did you think, Kyle? It wasn't anything special, I'll give it that. However, I do think the crowd helps that they were 100% behind the brood. And like you say, you know, with the bear hug breakups, the fans were way behind that. One thing that I was trying to work out was JR when he said, Edge is quicker than a hiccup. What does that mean? How are you quicker than a hiccup? (laughs) I mean... Have you never been surprised by a hiccup? Well, I've been surprised. I've never, I've never thought that was a quick hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of threw me within commentary. And then again, going with the storyline, Shane showing his power coming down, making sure the match goes his way. So storyline-wise, I think it worked into the grand scale of things. Match-wise, it it was just you. The usual six-man tag. Yeah, this wasn't bad. It wasn't anything special. I thought the heat on Christian maybe went on a little too long, but like say, the fans really dug it. The closing stretch got a bit sloppy, and then it started to let things down again, but this was all right. We then get a video package for Steve Blackman, which is really cool. It would actually wind up being his Titantron, and it's soundtracked by what would later become his entrance music as well. Mm-hmm. 
that means, Kyle, we're getting the return of Random Steve. He'll fill <laughs> out any card. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. <clears throat> It's our third match of the night. The lethal weapon, Steve Blackman, taking on Droz. The guy you can throw up on command. <laughs> he's don't gonna, be- he's gonna, he's gonna puke! Yeah, don't leave that out. <laughs> Beyond the Mat, on Netflix now, and me and Kathy watched it. Oh, Lord. It's very cringy. Very, very cringy. It's like, when that, um... Fan spits in that wrestler's face. I'm just gonna oh. knock his head off. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch me, motherfucker. <laughs> Blackman has his sticks, which is awesome. Meanwhile, Droz has a really big hat, and according to King, he has a face like a ruptured custard. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know if it's like. When you get a bubble and it bursts in the custard, or like, when when it sets a bit and the skin goes and you have to like break it up, maybe. <laughs> we get a thumb to the eye and a jumping back elbow by Draws, but then he missed a flying clothesline and Blackman counters with karate. <laughs> karate, 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 karate. JR starts talking about Blackman's magical feet. Oh, magic. <laughs> he uses them for a baseball slide and a standing drop kick on the floor. Then his fez press is blocked into an atomic drop. And then Draws missed his stinger splash. Oh, but then Steve missed his second rope elbow. Nobody can hit a move. It's a really good Northern Light suplex by Random Steve. And then a very, very slow power slam by Droz. Droz follows it up with the laziest elbow off the apron I think I've ever seen. Blackman got his foot up from a top rope nothing at a very impossible looking angle. And then he locks on the triangle choke to get the win at 7 minutes and 43 seconds. Bit meh. Droz was a bit slow and lackadaisical. But it was mostly inoffensive. I'd hardly say it was a crowd pleaser, despite them having a nice couple of ideas, though. Yeah, I think it flowed okay, but it wasn't spectacular. This match is where I noticed, why is the crowd so low? Yeah, it's not. The front row is lower than the ring. Yeah, I don't think it's the crowd is low. It's just they've raise the ring higher up it was really odd when yeah. i think it was Droz got thrown to the outside and the camera like went to the outside and i was thinking shit where, where is everybody maybe they could only get the hard camera at a certain position or something but i've only ever seen them do this at uk shows one night only was the same you get these kind of peculiarities when they go to britain yeah yeah it's just it's still a learning experience though like this is like fifth or fourth page of the roster for wrestlemania 2000 
Yeah, very true. And to be honest here, when I first got the game, I didn't even realise that you could press the shoulder buttons to get more wrestlers. <laughs> I thought like the, the first 10 that you see were all that you had unlocked so far. I'm like, where do I get the other people? That is amazing. <laughs> what a noob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> Up next, there's a Leave It to Beaver parody with Chaz, who's asking for mother's milk because his cereal is too dry. Um, oh, my God. This advert, what the actual hell? There were so many, like, sexual meanings behind everything he said. It was just weird. Really cringy. And he's not even on the show either. So like, what's the point? And well, they completely scrapped his character, apparently. I don't blame them based on this shite. Oh, man. Oh, out comes Mankind. Although he's mostly dressed like regular Mick Foley. Yeah. I wonder if his luggage got lost or something. He heard a rumour that they play football in Manchester. Is the team any good? Oh, God. Right. So I was thinking about this when he when he said this. I suppose at this point in time, Man City aren't exactly great, but it's just one of those shit UK things that they do every year when they come over here. They don't do the research and they say shit wrong. (laughs) There's two teams in Manchester, whether Mancunians like it or not, but for some reason, Mick Foley's been told there is only one team. Yeah, this is, of course, a treble year Man United. Yeah. So the, the world kind of revolves around them, I guess. Yeah. Mick mentions the British Bulldog and how he had his second match ever against Davy Boy, and it was actually in England. Yeah, that was cool. I didn't realise that. In New England. Ah. <laughs> He spoke to Davy as he flew in, but forgot about the time difference. So he was just grumpy. But he's sure Davy would have just told him to kick some ass. <laughs> you can't say ass in this town, can't you? Because I've been told in the back I'm not supposed to say wanker. <laughs> I genuinely looked up at the screen when he said that. I was like, did he really just say that? <laughs> His opponent tonight is Billy Gunn. And he's handsome. But if you see Mankind in the shower, you know what a real badass looks like. That's it. They're not doing the match right now. He just came out to say hi. And off he goes. <laughs> yeah, why well, do this at this point in the show? Oh boy, here we go. We then get clips of interviews with fans asking for their opinions on Shane. And there was one Scottish lad who was absolutely indecipherable. They also ask who they want to win the triple threat main event. And one guy was wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, but picked The Undertaker because he's the best. I noticed that as well. Fucking turncoat. Have you got any favourite fan interviewees, Kyle? I've not got any favourites. I just really like the awkward ones. The ones where they don't make sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if someone 
interviewed a Trump supporter and they just don't make any sense because <laughs> full of shit. They're the, they're the type of fans that are like, like, who's going to win in this match between Triple H and The Rock? Well, I really like Mick Foley. Okay, thank you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My favourite is the lad at SummerSlam 92 that says, the British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not. <laughs> what a doofus <clears throat> they like doing this in the UK shows as well so that they can all laugh at our accents or something yeah hey look he's doing a British accent hey, dickhead <laughs> on to our fourth match of the show and it's Midian attempting to give Kane the freshing of a lifetime <laughs> lol <laughs> Kane is co-holder of the tag titles at this time, along with X-Pac, and JR actually brings that up on commentary, saying that you know, X-Pac's this really big positive influence on Kane's life. Do you know the Kane pyro trick, Kyle? If you go back and watch old Kane matches, watch for when he does the flames and the corner posts. Okay. If he does it before his match, he's likely losing. But if he doesn't do it when he's coming out, it means he's saving it for later on and he's probably winning or there's like a, a running or something and he gets to stand tall. Ah, oh, yeah, because they'll have wasted it. You've just broken all reality for me now, Dunk. Thank you very much. <laughs> Life will never be the same. <laughs> so, listeners, if you've not seen this match, remember that he, he did his pyro before the match started, so let's see if he wins or not. It's all Kane early on. He hits a big boot and a leg drop, but then he collides with the ring post, so Midian starts attacking the arm. It doesn't last very long, though. He goes for a jawbreaker instead, but then Kane comes back with his top rope clothesline, hits his choke slam. And then the rest of the ministry interfere for the disqualification. Kane gets splashed twice by Viscera until X-Pac runs out and runs everyone off with a big pipe. I mean, the person that you you want to run out and scare everybody away is X-Pac. Maybe when he was in his crystal meth stage, he'd be pretty scary. But yeah. Yeah. Shane warns Pac that he's next. The match finished uh, 4 minutes 34 seconds, came won by DQ. I thought it was mostly boring brawling, wasn't much worthwhile there. What did you think, Kyle? Yeah, I'm the same as I'm the same with that. It was an easy watch, but other than that, it wasn't anything spectacular. If only Mark Canterbury became Midian instead. <laughs> He'd have pulled a good match out there. Yeah. Call back to our Breakdown 98 episode there. Yep. Okay, we're halfway through the card, which means it's time for Sign Watch. Oh my word, there's so many signs. Were there any standouts for you, Kyle? I'll be honest, I I can't remember some of the signs. There was one, was it Austin's Sexy Legs or something? Ah, yes, that's right. Stone Cold is sex on legs. Oh God, I know that one straight away. I can't remember. They'll be familiar when you say when you say some of them. 
there's one that I'm going to save for our next match that's a doozy. One sign read, Give Triple H no mercy. <laughs> Kyle, I think you're vehemently against that sentiment. 100%. I'm hoping that it got ripped down as he was leaving the stadium. <laughs> Runcorn Boys 316. Yes, I saw that one. <laughs> Just slap 316 on the end of it, and there you go. There's a sign. I think what, what I enjoyed about that one, it was local. <laughs> yeah. Shane is a bitch. It's not wrong. That's a gendered insult. <laughs> I've got puppy fever. Yeah. I wish I was a lesbian. <laughs> oh, Ross M. Thanks with an X for the tickets. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like bananas. Cool. <laughs> Bone China. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure if that's a command or. A... Yeah. Now, Bone China. <laughs> yes, I am a model. <laughs> there was also a China is my dad sign right next to a dude cosplaying as China. <laughs> Brilliant. But my favourite one, and this is like an earnest one here, it's not like funny or anything. It was the Socko family tree, and it had loads of socks stuck onto it. Yes, yes, I saw that one. Fantastic. Yeah. Love it when people put in effort like that. Unlike some of the participants in our next match. Well, yeah. We get a recap of Raw from Friday where there was a women's title match that was an evening gown match or something. Sable stripped Deborah of her gown, but then Commissioner Shawn Michaels reversed the decision because he believed that the person stripped of their clothes should win. That makes total sense. Apparently, you're never going to believe this, Kyle, this was a shoot evening gown match. (laughs) Yeah. This is like a, a Montreal level screw job because Sable was leaving and they just wanted to get the title off her. It affects the upcoming match, which should have been for the title. It's our fifth of the evening. Tori coming out with her virtual tennis menu music once again. And she's taking on Sable, accompanied by Nicole Bass. But Sable does not look dressed to wrestle. No. And let's be honest, Nicole Bass looks like she could bend the ring post in half. A very menacing woman, yes. Oh, we get the grind, Kyle. <laughs> this is why all the women want to be me, and for all the men who come to see me. Do you know, I thought that I was on a phone call with Sable then. right this is another sign that caught my eye here I swear to god when she was doing that spot the camera swung around and there was a guy there in a leather jacket with a sable marry me sign and do you know who I think it was Kyle go on Shane Ritchie 
<laughs> I swear to God, it was Shane Ritchie. That's brilliant if he was. I don't think he'd get anywhere on win, lose or draw with that sign, though. It wasn't very original. So it turns out Sable has a cold because of our gloomy, damp country. So she can't wrestle and Nicole Bass is going to sub for her. Nicole just looks bored. She no-sells Tori strikes and chokeslams her for the free count after 27 seconds. I mean, can we really acknowledge this as a match or not? <laughs> I think what must have happened was Tiger Ali Singh, when he went through the curtain, did a HBK level, top that! And so Nicole Bass was just like, oh, okay, I'll beat someone in half a time. Yeah. Give me the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you say, cows. Just an angle, really. Bit of a waste. Yeah. Up next, we get a video package for the European title match. It shows China helping Shane win the belt. And then we see the posse hyping up Shane as the toughest guy in Greenwich. I mean, I go for stupidest guy from Greenwich. But he's a total trust fund kid. He wouldn't have got anywhere in that world without, you know, parental support. (laughs) The posse and Shane ambushed X-Pac in a Greenwich street fight. And Shane bragged, beating you will be as easy as one, two, three, kid. Yes. How clever by connecting X-Pac and his original character, you clever boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little inside joke there. <laughs> we then get highlights of the WrestleMania match of the title, where Triple H turned on X-Pac and allowed Shane to retain. Yeah, he did. <laughs> this is Triple H moving on up in the world here. Yeah, just what I like to see. Just for younger listeners here, they may only be aware of X-Pac via what's called X-Pac Heat. Do you think that's really deserved? No, because I liked X-Pac. I thought it was really good. In fact, I liked 1-2-3-Kid. Going back watching those those matches. Yeah, I think he should be known for more than that. Yeah, he's being positioned as a big baby face here. I think it's pretty decent in his role really yeah i think he's a very good wrestler going back and forth with a few people on twitter about some kind of alternatives for x-pac heat because i'm with you kai i think it's rather undeserved i settled on meat heat (laughs) why did you settle on that well it it rhymed it got a nice ring to it and you know (laughs) yeah Fair enough. I don't think he follows any more John Stasiak, but I've not checked in a <laughs> while. <laughs> it's not at the top of my list of concerns. Well, yeah, understandable. I don't wake up every morning and think, oh my God, is John Stasiak still following us? <laughs> Before the match kicks off, Cole is backstage with Shane and he asks if he's any match for X-Pac. Shane replies, he's got two words for X-Pac. No mercy. Oh, there he is again using the pay-per-view name. Oh, yay. 
if only he'd cut this like seven years later at this point like he'd be putting the glasses on doing the david caruso thing yeah csi miami yeah i will give you hell in the in cell, cell. <laughs> yeah! so it's our sixth match of the show with the european title on the line shane mcmahon the champion defending against x pac who's the other co-holder of the tag titles shane's got a dx jersey but it's got x punk strewn across it I do like when they do stuff like that where they get the other person's merch and they change it derogatorily, if that's a word. Yeah. Mm. Pac sends Shane out of the ring so that he could do his pyro and then sends Shane out of the ring again when he countered a sneak attack. Shane tried to walk out of the match, but he got cut off by the Stooges. Really? Flown all the way from the US. Payday Pat Patterson's got to get his payday, <laughs> even if it's in the UK. Kyle, you were talking about things being quicker than the hiccup earlier. X-Pac's leg drop is lightning quick. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's more of an ash drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of, it's like, wham, wham. <laughs> China beats up the Stooges and then sends X-Pac into the ring post. Shane hits a Bret Hart-esque second rope sledge for a two count. Then get a, a funny spell of Britishisms here with the crowd chanting asshole at Shane and King asking the audience, sack it off, would you? X-Pac escapes a sleeper and comes back with heel kicks. And Shane accidentally clotheslined the ref, which allowed China to hit Pac with the belt for a really close near fall. Out comes Triple H in his crappy No Mercy shirt. He's changed his pants, though. Well, he's getting nearly ready to wrestle, isn't he? So, Shane missed the Bronco Buster and X-Pac hit the X-Factor, but China tripped up the ref. She got crotched up on the top rope by X-Pac, and then X-Pac sends Triple H off the apron. Then China got her foot up from the Bronco Buster, and Triple H sneaks in with a pedigree, which allows Shane to get the free count and retain his title after 8 minutes and 26 seconds. I'm guessing this is match of the night so far just because Triple H has turned up. 100%. <laughs> I mean, it was the, like one of the best pay-per-views ever when he came out, and then I saw what he was wearing, and I was like, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> what did you think to the match anyway? I always like X-Pac's energy in matches. I think even if it's a match that doesn't exactly shout out five stars, I just like the way X-Pac works. He's always feeling energetic. He never slows anything down. It was an all right match. With these two guys, like I say, you're never going to get a a world-beating match. But, yeah, it was nice. Nice to and throwing interference again. I, I feel like... This might be sponsored by WCW at this point. <laughs> We've still got more to come. But yeah, it, it was an all right match. Well, think about who's doing the booking, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a big standout for me from this match as well, Kyle. Just it had a great energy to it. I thought it's 
easily the best of what we've had so far during the night. It kind of still felt a little bit like a TV match, but X-Pac was a great babyface. And Shane, for the amount of training that he did had at this point, it's shockingly pretty solid. Yeah. So, you know, even though it was filled with shenanigans, it, it was nice and pacey, and, and nah, I thought this was fun. The crowd were really behind X-Pac. Yeah. Triple H beats X-Pac up some more and allows Shane to hit the Bronco Buster on him. And then Kane had to come out and run everyone off. Shane warns Austin that there's only one left on the hit list and he's going to pay at the hands of the corporate ministry. And Kane, in another humanising moment, carries X-Pac to the back. Oh, what a lovely guy. <laughs> he's learning. <laughs> all right this is a big highlight of the show for me here michael cole was interviewing mankind and he's noticed you know the corporate ministry haven't mentioned him on their hit list do you think they'll interfere in your match tonight so mankind says oh i'm getting the strange feeling that they haven't interfered because they kind of like me and then he immediately gets jumped <laughs> by all of the members of the ministry <laughs> I forget that he was in his own little stable at this point called The Union. Oh my god, yeah! (laughs) Where he had, I think, was it The Big Show and Test? And it was like the shittiest stable you've ever seen. Yeah, him, Big Show, Test, Ken Shamrock. And they'd all come out with the two by fours. Oh my days. Again, this is something... I only knew it was a thing because of the video games. Yeah. In WrestleMania 2000, if you had certain combinations of wrestlers come out together in a tag team match, you get a special tag team entrance. Yeah. So if you put Big Show and Mankind together, you get them come out to the Union music. And that was the only site I ever had of the Union up until I could get the network and stuff. Yeah. It's very odd looking back and seeing all those memories of stuff you forgot. <laughs> Undertaker is working over Mankind's knee with a chair and he put him in a leg lock. So the question now is, how can Mankind compete tonight? <laughs> he can't. <laughs> he's, well, he's got to get his act together pretty quickly because his match is next. Match seven of the show. Badass Billy Gunn taking on Mankind. Billy grabs the mic and tells us that Mr. Ass has had a change of heart because he's that damn good. I love Billy God. I think that he was very underrated. Mm-hmm. I think he was a really, really good worker. Yeah, very good all-round athlete, really. And it's good that he's sticking around with AEW and helping out a bunch there. Yeah. I can only imagine Triple H taking notes here in that promo, though. Ooh, that damn good. That sounds like a good line. (laughs) Mankind's music plays, but he doesn't seem to be here. Fans are chanting for Foley, but Mr. Ass, who's pleading his innocence, asks the ref to raise his hand. But of course, that cues Mankind to actually turn up. And did you see someone from the crowd threw their sock at him? No, I must have missed that. It must be like, hey, Sako needs a friend. <laughs> we start the match with a brawl on the outside, or as JR puts it, 
Mankind is very at home in no man's land. Mankind's able to keep the advantage, but he's got a limp. And so eventually Billy starts working over the leg. There's the cactus clothesline to the outside. And Mankind attacks Billy with the lid of Austin's beer cooler. But then we get the bump of the night where Billy whips Mankind over the guardrail and into the floor. Holy crap. He's always been good with bumps, though. Yeah, he's got that eye for really crazy, nasty-looking things. Yeah, it might not be good for his body, but it looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Billy keeps attacking the leg. He does a figure four around the ring post, but uses his arms to lock the legs. And then eventually gets an actual figure four inside the ring. And Mankind has to keep slapping himself to stay awake. Ref finally catches Billy using the ropes. It's that old chestnut where the ref turns around and the ropes are yoinging and and the wrestler's like, oh, no, not me. No, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Mankind fires back with a neat of a face in the corner and gets a chair from ringside. The ref tries to intervene, but that helps Mankind hook on the double arm DDT. And then the mandible claw. Billy counters with a drop toe hold onto the chair, which didn't get a DQ for some reason. There's then the pile driver on the chair. Which, you know, if the drop toe hold isn't going to get a DQ, of course that's not going to get a DQ. The timekeeper rang the bell too early, but then Billy genuinely finished the match with the Famasa on the chair again, and that gets him the free count after 12 minutes and 17 seconds. Big win for Mr. Ass. Yeah. It had to be Billy Gunn, didn't it? Because at this point, Mick Foley's injured legitimately, isn't he? So there's not much you can do with Mrs. Foley's baby boy other than just beat the shit out of him <laughs> and let him take it. If there's anybody to watch getting the shit beaten out of him, it's Mick Foley. Yeah, very true. It wasn't spectacular. Mick Foley didn't do anything, really. I think it was just to move the story on to get Mick out for a bit. I think he'd be around for next pay-per-view. Like He'd try and hang around all he can to get the union stuff running yeah. still, but, yeah, he's clearly not in the best of shape here. I thought this was actually kind of solid. Mixed bumping was the highlight of it, but the spots with the chairs at the end just didn't make any sense, and that's what took away from the match for me. Yeah. Oh, more mention of the Bulldog here, with Jim Ross giving the British Bulldog a shout-out, wishing him a speedy recovery from his back injury. I don't think he'd signed for them yet, but... No. You know the story about how he hurt it on Ultimate Warrior's trap door in WCW. No. It was wrestling at Fall Brawl 98. They were doing a spot where Ultimate Warrior kind of teleports out of the cage in War Games. So they had a trap door in one of the rings. And Davy Boy, at some point, bumped right on it and it really hurt his back. And he wrestled for a good month or six weeks after that on it and it really really messed him up and it got infected and stuff and it was almost practically the end of his career really 
Yeah. Mm. Really nasty. On a lighter note, it's main event time. And they hype us up by playing the exact same video as the one that opened the show. <laughs> Again, they, they love half arse in these British shows. Yeah, very annoying. So it's our main event with the WWF title on the line in a no-holds-barred match. Stone Cold Steve Austin is defending against Triple H, accompanied by China, and The Undertaker, accompanied by Paul Bearer. JR with the loosest of links here. Triple H? Triple Threat? Could it be an omen? <laughs> I don't know. Just clawing it. Maybe we can connect them. Oh, hell yeah. The Undertaker has got his best music coming out here. Other than he's back. I think the old school Taker's the best music. Mm, for sure. Austin and Triple H brawl on the ramp and Taker slaughters down to them in pursuit and attacks Austin with the belt. There's a cute spot on the outside where Austin chokes Triple H with cables. So Undertaker sneaks behind Austin and chokes him with cables as well. Kyle, your least favourite double team spot actually worked here with Triple H holding Austin up for Undertaker and Undertaker actually hit Austin. Yeah, a very, very rare occasion. But my usual double team prediction comes to fruition a little later. (laughs) Well, yes, the universe has to immediately (laughs) correct itself. (laughs) Undertaker holds Austin, but Triple H accidentally hits the Undertaker. We get Fez pressed by Austin, but Undertaker chokes Austin out. And you can tell you're in a British audience when they've got the air horns out. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of Austin. It's so British, that jump. <laughs> Austin suplexes Triple H on the floor, but then gets backdropped when he tried to pile drive the Undertaker. Triple H and Undertaker basically wind up playing tennis with Austin, punching him over <laughs> to their side of the ring all the time. Referee Earl Hebner took a chair off of Triple H. It's no holds barred. What are you doing? We're in that era of, as a wrestling fan, you are stupid and we can do whatever we want, regardless of what the rules are. This is peak era of that. It allows Austin to attack with a chair. He's allowed to use chairs. There's a sign as to why Hebner might have done that later on. Oh, yeah, okay. The heels fall out over who should stomp Austin in the corner, and that allows Austin to ram Undertaker's balls into the ring post. Taker returns and puts Stone Cold in the leg lock that injured Mankind backstage, but then that just causes more infighting between him and Triple H. And then that leads to Paul Bearer and China getting into it outside the ring. He does some sort of like kung fu karate startup. <laughs> yeah, where did that come from? So random. I know karate. <laughs> Triple H almost tried to outdo Mick Foley by bumping over the guardrail when Austin was beating him up. Yeah, there's a fan and his dad right behind where they were fighting there, and he's literally holding on to his son for dear life. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> get a weird spot where Triple H kind of hesitantly saves Stone Cold from a choke slam, and then Austin and Triple H end up temporarily double teaming. 
power trip, power trip, power trip. Oh, yeah. Uh, foreshadowing. As then the best sequence of wrestling we get all night, where Triple H escapes a tombstone, which leads to Undertaker escaping the stunner, which leads to Austin escaping the pedigree and catapulting Triple H into a chokeslam by The Undertaker. Very nice. It's followed up by a stunner to The Undertaker, but Triple H broke up the fall. Stunner to Triple H, but The Undertaker broke up the fall. And out come the whole corporate ministry. Like WCW. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Out come X-Pac, Kane, The Brood and Mankind and the brawl is on. Mankind's brawling with The Undertaker in the aisle, which leaves Stone Cold and Triple H in the ring. China tries to do a somersault attack on Austin, but he kicked her away, gave her the stunner, and then gives Triple H the stunner, and that gets the free count. X-Pac throws Shane into a Stone Cold clothesline, and he ends up eating a Stone Cold stunner. That then sets all of the corporation up for Bronco Busters by X-Pac. Austin toasts with X-Pac and Earl Hebner. And it's really weird seeing him doing his toasts here. He must like the beer he's drinking because he's trying very hard to keep it in the can. Yeah. It's very different from like a couple of years down the line. He just tossed it all over around ever, whatever. I think it was legitimately because the WWF had a deal with a beer that he didn't like. So he was just like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to drink this properly. So I'll make a show of it. This is goddamn shit beer. <laughs> Tastes like piss, kid. <laughs> Another of my favorite spots of the night. Shane and Hunter are gingerly trying to support each other back up. And then Austin sneaks behind them and underneath them to stone cold stunner them both at the same time. During all this, this is where all storylines and all kayfabe go out of the window when the camera reverts to the full ring and you have Earl Hebner stood on the turnbuckle with a beer cheering. So that's my reasoning as to maybe that's why he took the chair away but was fine with Austin. <laughs> oh, goddamn, kid. If you take this chair, I'll give you a beer at the end of the match. <laughs> another stunner to Shane and Triple H and another Bronco Buster to Triple H and oh yeah another stunner to Shane as well that was a bust air celebration kid (laughs) Austin's still the champion after 18 minutes and 27 seconds massive massive show closing angle wrapping everything up sending the fans home happy what did you think? It's basically match of the night by default, really. It had a similar sort of structure to that triple threat match we had at Breakdown. But I thought this was much better because Austin had way better hope spots. And there were some good spots that involved all three men as well. You know, it kind of meandered a little bit at times. And as, as we mentioned, a lot of shenanigans. But... It was a satisfying end, and I had a lot of fun with the post-match celebrations. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think 
for me, the match was very much 99 Austin all over. Every match was just like that. A big brawl outside the ring, inside the ring, lots of shenanigans. Austin comes out the winner. That seemed to be just the running point of 99. But yeah, I agree with that. There was a lot of good spots and it's always fun having an ending where the, the heels get kicked a little bit after after the match. Yeah, for sure. It just tends to happen with the top-line babyface all the time that there's a, there's a formula that works and they try and see how often they can repeat it before they need to iterate again. Yeah. Overall, though, Kyle, what were your thoughts on this show? It was okay. I have to say this is probably one of the lower-carded pay-per-views that we've ever discussed on the podcast. Yeah, I think it's only saving grace was the fact that Triple H was in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I like the corporate ministry. I liked the little threads throughout it with Shane keeping it ebbing and flowing. And then the main event was kind of what stuck it all together. It wasn't amazing, but it was an easy watch. There was some forgettable matches, very much so. Very WCW-esque, I found. Mm. Felt more like a television show than a pay-per-view. Yeah. It was a bit of a breezy watch, even though it was kind of filler-strewn. I can only really recommend the European title match and the WWF title match. Everything else is kind of missable. But for me, I still really enjoyed it because it's kind of like the perfect time capsule for WrestleMania 2000, which is my favourite video game. Yeah. And, yeah, I I really enjoyed, at the time, seeing it because I was seeing all these wrestlers get fleshed out who I'd only seen in the video game. And now I'd try and go into the game and do the moves that I saw in the show and stuff like that. It's a decent curio for people with certain memories, but it's definitely nothing you have to go out of your way to watch. No. Just come and listen to the podcast and we will entertainingly put you through it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend watching the show, but I've listened to a podcast about the show. (laughs) Yeah. Main event was my favourite match and standout performer for me was X-Pac. It was really over with everyone and his contributions were fun all throughout the show how about you kyle i'll agree with x-pac i think he kind of glued it all together really in a sense there's got to be an honorable mention for triple h because he glued quite a lot of the stuff together Um, you know he helped shane keep the european title he also was instrumental in how the main event ended and it was entertaining watching him get stunned unfortunately so that's my honorable mention for triple h but i there's no other match that you can say was was the best other than the main event really it kind of it it had everything and it was well built up throughout the pay-per-view ready for it well on our next tape trader diaries show we're gonna fast forward a little over a year 
and we're going to actually be genuinely watching a wrestling television show as opposed to a pay-per-view. And it's going to be the October 30th, 2000 edition of Raw is War. If I think I've got this right, this was headlined by Stone Cold versus Rikishi in a cage match. Yeah, I think, I'm sure. Wasn't this, it was the same one that The Rock, didn't he have a number one title match with Chris Jericho as well? Oh, I think that might be it as well. Yeah. There's a pair of these shows coming up and it's on one of those. Yeah, because there's the cage match to that. And then I'm sure, doesn't Eddie fights China at some point, doesn't it? Around this time. Yeah. We're right in the middle of Latino Heat's breakup. We're right in the middle of Rikishi doing it for The Rock. There's lots of stuff going on. I can't wait. We're finally in the greatest year in the WWF. Yeah. So look out for that at some point. As for now, you can follow us on Twitter at TNW Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at TNW underscore podcast. Like, subscribe, listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on SoundCloud. On SoundCloud, you'll find a handy playlist of all of our episodes so far as well as all of my guest appearances on the Raw is Nitro podcast. We really, really enjoyed being on that show together, looking at the first time Thunder and SmackDown went head-to-head full-time. What else have we got? Oh, yeah, we still got a Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got someone requesting a watch-along, which was kind of odd as well. Yeah. I suppose that the main way to talk to either of us is Twitter really isn't it yeah that's where we're most active just helps spread the word really but I'll wrap up this show so it's a goodbye from Kyle goodbye everyone thank you for listening that's a goodbye from me I'll catch you down the road <laughs> <laughs>